we? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray for this weather. We ask you to watch over our people, Lord. We pray for each one who could not be here tonight, no matter what the problem is. If it's health-wise, Lord, we ask you to take care of them. We pray for the churches in our area, Lord, and, and some of them closed down because of this virus. And, and people in it, Lord, is guided. And we pray, Lord, you take care of them. Watch over and keep us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There was one church called me, a friend of mine called me today from one church, and the pastor's daughters got it. And uh, they're really concerned for the whole church. Matthew chapter 7 tonight, if you would please. I'm going to read verse 1. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considers not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how will thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shall thou see clearly cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. You have not which is holy under the dogs, neither cast ye your pearl before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. Pray with me, please. Father, I ask you to bless the reading now of thy word, and study together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Don't forget to pray for Mrs. Harden. She called just a minute ago, and she's having real trouble seeing and being able to drive. So uh, just pray about that much, if you would, please. Judges chapter 7, verse 1 through 3. Here's three kinds of criticisms in these verses. Verse 1 says, Judge not that you be not judged. Now that's destructive criticism. This is the kind of man is always trying to find something wrong with somebody and his aim is to destroy. Verse 4 is deluded criticism. Or how will thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the moat out of thine eye, and behold a beam is in thine own eye. Now here's a man trying to get a moat out of his brother's eye while at the same time having a beam in his own eye. And Jesus said his vision is impaired. He cannot see clearly to get the mote out of his brother's eye. Now, it's all right to help your brother, but you don't knock him head off to get uh, by the two-four to get to his eye. That's deluded criticism. Verse 6 is discriminating criticism. Verse 6 says, Give not that which is holy unto dogs, neither cast your pearl before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. Now today, if you took a, uh, any kind of stand against anybody for anything, somebody will say, Judge not that you be not judged. Now people uh, use verse 1 to try and keep you from taking a stand even against modernism and liberalism. <clears throat> Anything is against God. I have, something is really bothering me, and I've thought about this even when it started, this uh, 
a Black Lives Matter thing that's got going across this country. Uh, now they're saying that uh, some people that's in the know seems to think this is a religion. It's not just a, uh, a riot thing to go by, but it's a religion. And by the way, uh, the devil will use anything to get people out of church today, real Bible-believing church today. And he's doing it. But uh, verse 6, Give not that which is holy unto dogs. Now I want you to watch this because it's important here. Verse 1 is to try to keep you from taking a stand even against these modernists and people that don't preach the true gospel. Kind of notice uh, that these verses does not teach that we cannot make any kind of judgment because verse 6 requires that we make at least four judgments. If a person gives not that which is holy unto dogs, then he has to judge what's holy and what's a dog. If a person does not cast his pearl before swine, then you have to make a judgment called of what is a pearl and what is a swine. So you have to make four judgments here. That's discriminated criticism. Now, two, two things here we need to learn. Number one, what is the right kind of criticism? Now, turn over to 2 Corinthians with me for a minute. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And I want to begin to read in verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14, please. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what concord has Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement has the temple of God without? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and my daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Now, John, 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through uh, 4 talks about, Beloved, be not ever spirit, but try the spirits, for they are of God. So the Bible commands Christians not to yoke up with unbelievers. So I not only have a right, but I have a responsibility then to make some kind of judgment about a man concerning the fundamentals of the faith. Now, uh, I'm a fundamentalist, and I hope everybody here, and I believe they are, a fundamentalist is not a matter of behavior. It's a matter of belief. Now, I want you to watch this. I know a pastor who claims to be a fundamentalist because he cuts his hair short and preaches against long hair on men. And he called himself a fundamentalist because he takes a stand against these kind of things. Now, i got some news for you. Some moderates I know are bald. What are you going to do about that? Amen? So you have to make a judgment. It's not what's on your head that makes you a fundamentalist. It's what's on your uh, in your head. Now, I believe men ought to look like men, and ladies ought to look like ladies, but fundamentalism is a matter of doctrinal belief. A fundamentalist is one who believes in a, the fundamentals of the faith. Now, a fundamentalist is a cardinal doctrine. 
is pivotal on when it comes to matters of where you go to heaven or where you go to hell. Now, it's essential truth. It's something you cannot deny and be saved. Now, for instance, everything in a car is not essential for the operation of that car. The spare tire is not essential. Now, it's not a fundamental why because you can still drive a car and not have a spare tire. The radio is not a fundamental or essential. You can drive a car without a radio. The air conditioner is not essential, and you could go on and on. Now, the motor is fundamental. Gasoline is a fundamental. The battery is a fundamental. Now, you take out any of these essentials or fundamentals of a car, and the car won't run or it won't work. Now, there are fundamentals in Christianity, essential truths that you cannot deny and still be a Christian and be saved. Now, when the Bible here in, in uh, Matthew chapter uh, 7, where we were just reading, it talks about cast your pearls but not before swine. It's talking about the fundamentals of the faith. Now, for instance, the virgin birth is a fundamental. Uh, if Jesus is not a virgin-born Son of God, then we have no Savior. Because if he was born as you and I are, he inherited the same nature as you do. And the Bible says that's a sin nature. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. For, wherefore by one man sin entered the world. So if Jesus was not virgin born, he has a sin nature that we have. Romans chapter 5 verse 19. Whereas by one man's disobedience were many made sinners. So we know that Jesus Christ is virgin born. He had to be to be our Savior. The second fundamental, uh, the physical resurrection of Jesus from the dead is a fundamental. If a man denies the resurrection of Christ, he's not saved. Romans 10.9 says confess that. The one thing that separates Christianity from all other religions is the resurrection. Our Savior, the one that became our sacrifice for sin, rose from the dead. He's alive. All others are still dead. So the substitution of the death of Jesus is a fundamental. If Jesus did not die on the cross uh, in the sinner's place to pay the sinner's debt, then we have a, no plan of salvation. Isaiah 53 verse 6 says, The Lord laid on him the iniquity of all. Now, the substitution of the death of Jesus is a fundamental then. The second coming of Christ is a fundamental. Philippians 3.20 For our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus. Now listen, if Jesus is not coming back for all saved people, what hope have we then? That's a fundamental then. The second coming of Christ is essential. It's a fundamental. Now the verbal inspiration of the Bible is a fundamental. Now if the Bible is not the inspired Word of God, then the foundations of our faith have been destroyed. What do you base your doctrines on? Is it the preacher? Is it the church? Is it some kind of religion? No. That's the reason I tell everybody that comes to this church, if they ever come to me, and say, where is your uh, doctrines of your church? We'd like to go over them. I say, here it is right here. It's the Bible. Amen. That's where we get everything that we believe, right here in this Bible. The Bible does not contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. And I believe every word in it. Here's a little thing I found. The Holy Bible must have been inspired of God and not of men. 
I could not, if I would, believe that good men wrote it to deceive, and bad men would not, if they could, proceed to write a book so good. And certainly, no crazy man could ever conceive this wonder plan and pray what other kinds of men then do these three groups comprehend. Hence, it must be that God inspired the words which souls or prophets fired. That's the Word of God. The virgin birth of Jesus, the vicarious sufferings of Jesus, His resurrection, His visible second coming, the verbal, verbal inspiration of the Bible are all fundamentals of the faith. Now, the test of our love for our Lord and Savior is uh, are we uh, not willing to fellowship with modernists and liberals who deny the fundamentals? We must separate ourselves from them. It's like I said here a while back, just suppose here we are independent Bible-believing Baptist church that preaches the fundamentals of faith. And if I was to invite a Catholic priest to come sit on our platform and he preached the doctrines of the Catholic Church and I preached by grace that you say, you cause confusion. All you do is cause a mess. And that's what it's called. the Bible is called. Don't put your pearls out there before swine. Don't put your doctrines out, uh, out there among these people. Now it's one thing to be in error because of ignorance. But another thing to deliver, reject, reveal truth. So, the right kind of criticism is criticizing the modernists and liberals and unbelievers and separate from them. I, one Sunday several years ago, and it's happened several times because I'm, I ought not to, I guess, say as much as I do about all kind of crazy religion, but I can't help it. And I said, one Sunday I was sitting preaching, and I got off on, uh, you know, Jehovah's Witness. And somebody come up to me and said, Preacher, you are not saying nothing against Jehovah's Witness. And I, I've had the same thing said about Catholics and all kinds of religion uh, people. And they come up to you, you are not saying anything about them like that from the pulpit. Oh, yes, I have. Because of this reason. If you follow their doctrines... You're going to go to hell. It's just that simple. And somebody has to criticize them. Somebody has to make you understand the difference in them. Now, the wrong kind of criticism is found in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 4. Now watch this. Or, or how will thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Now watch this. Here are two brothers, and one is criticizing another brother. But for what? He has a large beam in his eye and wants to help get a speck out of his brother's eye. Now watch. Why did he see the speck in his brother's eye in the first place? Because he had to be looking for a flaw in him. That's why. You look long enough in any brother, any other brother in Christ, you'll find a flaw in them. You know why? We're sinners saved by God's grace. Every one of us. We're in the same boat. Now, <clears throat> there's some people are speck hunters in. Remember this old poem. And I found this thing and I laughed. I think it's good. Pussycat, pussycat, where have you been? 
I've been to London to see the Queen. Pussycat, pussycat, what did you there? I spied a little mouse under her chair. And think about that for just a minute. Let that sink in for just a minute. Here's a cat that went to London to see the Queen. And all he came away was he saw a mouse under her chair. He didn't even see the Queen. Now, the Queen and her palace and all her glory, but the cat only saw a mouse. Why? Because she went there looking for a mouse. That's why. And you know what's wrong with a lot of people today? We criticize brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because we're looking for something wrong in them instead of something good in them. You know what I've enjoyed being a Christian? I like to look for something good in Christians. And do you know you can find something good in anybody? You really can. If you look for it. But if you, all you're doing is look for something bad in you, you can find something bad. And I just don't care about that. Now let me give you something. I want you to think of it. If I were dying with cancer, it wouldn't help me one bit to find a thousand other people with cancer. Do you know that? What good would that do? If I looked around, if I had cancer, and I looked around and I found another thousand people with cancer. So, when we look for a speck in our brother's eye, we're blinded to our own condition. Now, here's something we got to go away with. Don't you think about it. Christians are not to be expert at finding motes in our brother's eye. We are to be expert at finding beams in our own eye. That's the right kind of criticism. We must fight the liberals and moderates and take a separate stand against them. But if a man believes in the fundamentals of the faith, we should agree or to disagree on non-essential to get along. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. once said, I found this in a book of his, if a hound dog came through town barking for Jesus, I'd throw him a bone. <laughs> I like that. You know, you can find something good about each other. Amen. And that's what this whole thing's about. If you go around looking for some uh, another Christian as something good in them, you can find it. Now, I have a problem. I know we used to, or I used to as the pastor of this church, they, they wanted me to start meeting. There was about 20 of us of independent churches in the Tampa Bay area. And every Monday morning, we would meet at a restaurant, Diane Brandon, and have breakfast. And we would fellowship of what happened Sunday. And you know, you go to talking about having souls saved, people baptizing. Man, I enjoy that. I like to hear a pastor of a church across town doing the same thing we're doing and serving the Lord and having people saved and, and, and preaching the old time gospel. But you know, it, every once in a while you'd have somebody come along, but how many really got saved that you baptized? You know, question like, did they really get saved? I said, I told a man one time, I didn't know you could get saved and really saved. I said, if you get saved, you got saved. Amen? Ain't no really get saved and saved. You just get saved by God's grace. And you ought to rejoice in it. But it's like another man came to me, and a pastor did one time, and he was in a meeting with us, and he'd come away from there. He said, Brother Strong, I'll talk to you a little while. He said, I've been pastoring this church for a number of years. 
And he said, I don't understand repentance. He said, I just don't understand it. I don't know how to preach uh, the repentance. And the Bible says, without repentance, no man shall see God. You ain't going to heaven without repentance. He said, I don't understand what it is. He said, I believe it's a work that man can do, but if it's a work that man can do, uh, then we are saved by works and not by grace. And I said, it's not something you can do. I want you to give you something. Repentance and belief go together. All at the same time. The moment that the Holy Spirit deals with you through the God's Word and shows you that Jesus is a Savior, right then and there you change your mind. That's repentance and belief at the same instant. It's not a one, two, three, four, five thing. Bam! It's all together. It's changing your mind, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can't change your mind if you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So repentance is not something you do. It's something that God does through you. He, with the Holy Spirit's work in you. But what I'm talking about, the only reason I mention that is this. Here's a preacher that had been preaching in a church now to a number, and had a big church, and he said, Pastor, I don't understand repentance. Well, wait a minute now. Have I a right to criticize that church or that ministry because he's preaching something that keeps people from going to heaven? Yes, I do. I have a right to go to him, though, and, and try my best through the Holy Spirit's power and very carefully to explain to him what it's all about. And he come away from there and he said, I declare, I understand it now. That's what real criticism ought to be. If somebody's doing something, you can't do like one lady years ago, we had a lady come to our church and, and she wore clothes too long at the time for washing. And she would smell. And this older lady come to me, she was a younger lady, and she come to, I mean, people would literally get away from her in church and sit around her. You know, and this elder lady come to me and said, Now, Pastor, you got to go to her and tell her I know what's wrong with her, and I know what kind of soap they help her, and I know this they help her, and this there. Now, we can get this all so she can take care of this, and you got to go tell her. I said, I ain't going to tell her. Amen? And I said, And neither are you unless you pray for it over first and get your heart right about it, where you can go with a, with a tender love towards that woman and go there to help her. You don't go there to criticize to hurt her. Amen? And she did. She went and helped her, and the lady started washing her clothes and taking care of herself like she ought to and came around better. Now, that's the right kind of criticism. But just to say she stinks and say, nobody have that in the way of her, that's the wrong kind. Amen? You can kill somebody that way. Spiritual. You can drive them away from the Lord. You can find something wrong with people if you look for it. You can find. You can find a speck in somebody's eye. And all the time you got a moat in your own eye. And, or is the other way around. No, moat bigger than a speck, isn't it? What do you say? Yeah. Anyhow, what I'm trying to say, if you got a beam in your own eye and you're looking for a little speck in somebody else's eye, find you, get yours straightened out first. And then you can help somebody else. And what happens a lot of times, and this is what hurts on many a church, is people start criticizing other brothers and sisters in Christ without getting their own heart straightened out and their own life straightened out. And when you get your own heart straightened out, you notice something. They ain't as, ain't as bad as you thought it was in somebody else's life. 
You know, they they don't look as bad. They're not doing as bad as you thought they were. And so you got to be very careful. But you do have to make a distinction because the Bible says, "Come out from among ye and be ye separate," says the Lord. And if the Lord told you uh, that one thing you've got tells you not to do something, then you've got to find out what is right or wrong. So that's judgment. You've got to make judgment, but you've got to be very careful how you make them. And you've got to pray much about talking to somebody about them too. Amen. Glad I'm saved tonight, aren't you? And I'm glad I know a lot of people that's better Christians than I thought they were when I first met them. Let that sink in a little bit. You ever notice that? Somebody come walking in church, you know, and you, you, we're easy to judge people. We're so easy to judge people. How they look and how they act and how they dress and everything else. I don't have nothing to do with it. It has to do with what you got your head right on. I believe in the fundamentals. And I got news for you. If an old bum walked in off the street tonight and had a seat among us, and stunk to high heaven if he bleed in the fundamentals. Brother, I'm for him. Amen. Now, I'll try my best to help him and get straightened, his life straightened out, but he's still my brother if he bleeds in the fundamentals of the faith. Stand with me, please. Heavenly Father, we're glad we're saved tonight by your grace and not by works, not by our righteousness. But dear Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand what is right and what is wrong because I believe that we're getting closer and closer. I know we are to the second coming of Christ. And I know we're going to have to make judgment calls on things that's being said before us every day of our life, what is right and what is wrong. So help us to judge rightly according to thy word. In Jesus' name we pray.